Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. I want to motivate and inspire parents. I know y'all got a lot on you, but you know, your to me, your greatest contribution to humanity is the the fruit of your loins. You know, the children that you produce and bring into the world, and we just hand them over, and it's not your fault. We big addition. Hand them over, hand them over to the school system, and it's partially so you go to work. And whatever happens, you spend more time these kids, children with the teachers than they do with you. Uh, and uh, what happens is really what the country wants to happen. I think we should be more intentional, though. So let me welcome to the show. She is an educator, uh, Virginia born, Maryland based presenter, educator, homeschooling mom. She's been teacher as well. She's got a Ph.D. and M.A. in English lit. BA and mass media arts. I love the English lit part. That's my thing. And she's also doing something with transcribing letters from soldiers uh, who uh, helped free themselves and, and others during the civil war. We're going to talk more about that as well. Let me welcome Ms. Sherry Arnold Meta. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming through. First of all, um, freedom fighters, freedom writers.org uh, is, is the uh, website what, how did you become a homeschooling mom? Um, you were talking about being intentional and my journey was not really intentional. <laughs> what had so, happened was. <laughs> what had happened really was that um, I think for a lot of people who kind of jumped into homeschooling was COVID. And before my um, oldest son entered kindergarten, my husband and I kind of threw around the idea, just a hot second, yeah, homeschooling. And, uh, and you know, the S word came up, socialization. And we said, oh, he'll be great in kindergarten. No, no problem. March, everything shuts down. And leading up to March, we could see like, maybe everything's not going to be great um, in kindergarten. We loved the school, loved, the, loved his particular teacher, but it just wasn't working. And when it came time for us to decide for the following year, are we going to continue with the virtual learning or are we going to try homeschooling? We really kind of left that decision up to my son who said, I want to do homeschool. So he's six. He's nine now, but at okay. that time. Oh, wow. Like, look, this is how long we've been in this damn. And some of y'all still catching COVID, so it ain't over. Um, and I'm <laughs> sorry that we, over. I'm sorry we have such poor leadership. But uh, okay. <laughs> so at, at the time, a six-year-old. And, and I think, and I think back to being two and three and having a very clear understanding of, <laughs> of, of agency, even at that age, I can remember, you know, uh, being very willful. Uh, and so we don't give children enough credit cause they're little and, um, you know, we have, we have such force over their lives that we just, so you asked him and he said, I want to homeschool. What was his reasoning? Well, we had done, uh, what we called mommy school for a brief time when we were switching preschools and he and his younger brother kind of loved it. We had some little box curriculum that came. It was fun, hands-on fun. Um, and I think he reflected back on that that there were lots of things that we got to do that he enjoyed. And he absolutely hated the virtual learning. He wanted to interact with his classmates. He wasn't really able to do that. Um, he wanted to move through the assignment. Like, are we done? What? Why do I have to wait for anything else? 
And I think there was too much sitting involved because yeah, like six and we're just going to sit for hours on end. And it just wasn't working. It just was not his thing. So as, as an educator yourself, as somebody that has been, you know, through, you know, you're, you're, you're out there. I feel like this system, again, we know why education, Thomas Jefferson came up, you know, he wanted people to have some civility and to work in these factories and in these fields and not kill each other. But it really was never designed for for us to have these amazing analytical minds, these these you know thought provoking young people who would then change the trajectory of the world. It's never been designed that way. But in yeah. our minds, somehow we feel like we're sending our children to school for that. Yes, but we're not. And having worked with high school students, having worked in a school for gifted high school students, and then teaching on a college level, you're seeing that there are some things that are missing. There's some gaps that are there. There are educational opportunities that should be made available to all children, regardless of a title. A gifted education should be available to all. It should be made available to all. And that's not what I'm seeing. And that's not what I was seeing. And then Um, When I entered education, it was around 2000. Uh, The standardized testing in Virginia wasn't really at the forefront. It was kind of on the periphery. It was like, hey, we're here. We're going to just kind of play around with this thing here and see what happens. But I could see over the course of years, there's this shift where there was a little more autonomy and how I could teach something, what we could do, where we could go with it that changed. You have a test. Students are more concerned with the test. Other people are more concerned with the test. Then the test results say, hey, like, so you all aren't doing too great in poetry. Let's take that off the test. And then we'll move on to something else. So we're missing that instruction in poetry. We're straying away from the creative and the fine and the performing arts. We're moving away from vocational skills we're really moving away from honoring our learners as people, as whole people who have interests beyond the four corners of a paper. And I think once I got to uh, the college level to see that students were not able to write a research paper, we're struggling just with the five paragraph essay and we're genuinely just caught off guard they I was really good in high school what's going on this I'm like this is not fair this is not educating this is not really what is supposed to be happening and I felt that my kids deserve something different Mm. so what does something different look like we're talking with Sherry Arnold Meta she is homeschooling uh two children Right. You, you don't yes. both. OK, so ages now nine and 11 ages now, seven and nine, seven and nine. I'm sorry. Seven and nine. What what are you doing? What Walk me through what a day looks like, because Michael Harriet's mom, I think, was genius. She, he said she would leave sticky notes up everywhere uh, for what the things that they needed to cover, the vocabulary words. And, and then they would convene, I guess, dinner time. There was a, a center room with all of the books. Pick a book off of the second shelf. 
and let's discuss it. And so, and then he, you know, he was active, hyperactive. He would go and put a book down, go run around the house, come back, pick up the book. And he could do it at his leisure. And it was magical for him. And he said, when he asked his mother recently, cause he never asked her before why he she said, because I did not believe that the school system could honor your humanity or, you know, to, to see you basically, yes. uh, which is so powerful. Yes. And there, um, early on, we, we had a, 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 an example of that. Um, so my oldest son loved math, you know, really into math. And um, for kindergarten, they had some scores or grades or whatever, you know, and uh, one of the marking periods, his math score had gone down. I said, oh, what's going on? I volunteered in his school once a week. Uh, we were doing the homework and you know, all the stuff. I said, well, what, what's, what's going on? So I sent an email to the teacher and she said, um, oh, yeah, I remember that assignment. He got all of the answers right, but he didn't put his name on his paper. And I, <laughs> I said, okay, all right, okay, so was the purpose of the assignment to assess math skills or was it to assess whether or not he could write his name on the paper or follow directions? Because someone looking on the outside's wondering, how does this kid's math score fall right. kindergarten? And it's then that it just clicked. I said, this is punitive. And when I asked her, she said, yeah, that's really something to think about. And I'm thinking... It is something to think about, and we're just going to think about that in our home, because that's just one example of how something can be a soul-killing experience, and the learning experience shouldn't be punitive. It shouldn't be soul-crushing. It should really be about exploring, and I didn't feel that that was it. So a day for us can look like, well, depending on the day, and we say homeschooling, but there's very little home in the schooling, so it's a lot of doing that outside of the home. So mm. we're a part of two co-ops, one on Monday, one on Thursday. Um, my husband and I um, teach or taught classes for one of the co-ops. Um, we tag team to take the, uh, for the other co-op. So it'll be a co-op date, maybe a playground day. Uh, there's music lessons um, thrown in there, um, knocking out most of our uh, core assignments before we get out for the day. Um, learning could be that we're going to a farm, that we're going to a zoo, that we're going camping. Um, oh, I love that. Last year, we took a camping trip with one of our homeschool friends uh, to Assateague in uh, Virginia, uh, Maryland. Um, and here we're talking about like the wild ponies. We found a whole lesson on those ponies and the wild horses. And then talking about camping skills, um, using the national parks with um, junior ranger lessons involved. Um, Learning can look like a YouTube streaming class that my oldest is taking. It can look like voice lessons that my youngest enjoys. Um, it can look like coding classes. Um, my that. oldest I is to, he, he knows Scratch. He's working on JavaScript. I'm still working on adding my printer. <laughs> right? 
Yes, Sherry Meta is here. Uh, this is a very elite conversation that we're having because most people do not have the luxury to take off. Um, how do we make this something that every parent can do? Because I know every parent wants to spend this kind of time and wants to engage with their children this, this way. They don't want their child to fall behind, which is happening, especially post-COVID. We have a three million word gap in our community. Uh, children, you know, are not uh, catching up in this world, needs us to be as awesome as we possibly can as tech is literally being handed over to AI and we're not ready. We're not ready. We're not ready to make sure that the machines don't overtake us. We got to be there programming. We got to be there inserting ourselves in this AI. That is very true. It's really true. But we, we have to reframe our ideas of education and it's really a paradigm shift. Educating is in my DNA you know, grandparents, great grandparents, cousins, aunts, uncles, we, you know, we teach, that's what we do. And we teach in the public school, you know, so it's been a process of really kind of divorcing myself from those ideas, um, reimagining what education looks like beyond that concept um, and really creating a different norm. So when we say, you know, it's an elite conversation, but it's not, and it doesn't have to be. There are so many people who work full time jobs who are homeschooling their kids because it doesn't have to be that we're learning in the daytime. It doesn't mm. have to be that we're sitting here for four, five, six straight hours and learning. It doesn't have to be that we're covering those subjects every single day. It could be weekends, it could be evenings, it could be, you know, on my lunch break. Um, there are people who are finding ways to still work full time and to homeschool their children. And let me tell you, there are people out here who are providing services to make that happen. Let's, let's talk about that. Um, we are with, of course, Sherry Mehta. Uh, we're talking homeschooling. And this is the beginning of a, of a multi-pronged conversation we're going to continue to have because I think if foundationally we do not address this, whether we're even talking about rites of passages for our young people, the future is going to be bleak. But it's up to us to make the change. Don't depend on the damn system and the government because they never have been looking out for you. Uh, it's all transactional. We got to treat them like the work. You know, anyway, Michael and Demetria uh, have been holding on for a long time. They've been waiting for you since hour one to come through. And I just want to, first of all, thank you, you guys for your patience and uh, your fortitude. I appreciate you holding on. No problem. Homeschooling teaches us patience. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Amen. I wanted to say uh, thank, thank you for taking our call. Uh, we're both here. And, um, you know, our journey, we have a perspective on homeschooling from both sides because my wife and I are both educators. And um, we've homeschooled, actually, three kids through high school, two graduated from college, and one is preparing to graduate now. So I actually, when I came home from teaching in the public schools, I helped my wife by teaching math and music. And um, 
that was part of our journey. So one of, and one of our goals while we were homeschooling was when the kids were old enough, we wanted them to become entrepreneurs. So when they were teens, we helped them start their own TV production business. And Karen, one of the um, one of our kids actually did some voiceover promos for your show here in in the DC studio. What? And um, yeah, they, yep, you didn't know it, did you? <laughs> I did not. You better come on through. I love it. Yeah, and they also worked with uh, Dr. Carr in the production of Christmas Gift at the University of Maryland. That was a few years back. But um, just just a couple of highlights. They, our daughter Baraka, she produced, uh, and our son, they produced an interview with uh, the late Eloise Greenfield, you know, for YouTube. And um, our kids, they all served on the teen advisory board at the University of Chicago Children's Hospital while Michelle Obama was on staff. So you know, we we are in that. Uh, and we, we know that's, that was our journey. My wife wanted to say something, too. Go ahead there. No, I just appreciate you appreciate uh, Dr. Meta. And um, I mean, I'm loving the things that she's saying. Just want to encourage her because we've already gone through that. Uh, we're grandparents now. But uh, a lot of things that she's saying are so key. And, um, you know, th- we just appreciate this platform. And Karen, anytime, I know I was taught not to invite myself to anything, but if you need <laughs> to talk about homeschooling more, uh, since we've already been through that, we did it for 21 years. In Chicago, we started out, but then we relocated to the uh, Washington, D.C. area and continued it. But um, uh, we appreciate the freedom of movement and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with homeschooling. So we're, we're, we're available. We are part of Nubia and narrative okay. as well. Say, right. say, absolutely. Listen, closed mouths mm-hmm. don't get fed. And in this case, y'all right. are the feeder. You're, y'all are the feeder. I don't know who, who taught you, you know, not to insert yourselves, but we must start to insert ourselves because the world needs us. Okay. And so apparently we need Michael and Demetria as well. So let's get their number. Uh, and also want to, you know, maybe hire one or both of their children for voiceover work as we expand our empire of voices. So thank you guys for holding on because that was for a reason. And I'll see you in the Nubian streets. Uh, Dr. Meta, you, you're smiling. You know, there is a community. You were talking about the need for community. Where can people go if someone's listening right now and they are, you know, in the middle of Iowa and they want to not send their children into spaces that don't honor them. What advice do you have? I jumped on Facebook. (laughs) There are so many groups. Um, Dr. Khadijah Ziali Coleman um, is big into um, the uh, research for black homeschooling. She has a page, black family homeschool educators and scholars um, that's one place that you can go and then ask within there, you know, anyone in Iowa <laughs> want to get together, <laughs> anyone in Iowa homeschooling, um, when there is no community, you create it, you'll be surprised what you create. And then people start coming out. You know, I've been looking for this. You all are literally looking for each other. Um, we just lucked up to be in what I consider a wonderful place uh, where community is overwhelming and in abundance, um, where you can pick and choose and where they are safe spaces to learn and to grow. Um, but <laughs> Facebook, 
listen uh these devil's tools can be used for good everything that's here can be used for good and we should use them and flip them from the inside i appreciate that um and as you're talking there was a time when my mom would talk about being raised in augusta georgia and the neighbor could you know whoop you if you did something like everybody was accountable to everybody Yes. That was when we were at our best. That was when we could build Black Wall Streets and Rosewoods and Eatonvilles and all of these places thrive because we, we were accountable to one another. The teacher lived in the community. Yeah, yeah. So so we need to remember that. That was here. That was post, you know, enslavement. But yeah. if we if we go back, you know, before that, the community was everything. It was the center. We we need to get back to that. But then let us also think too, within that community, that's where our schools were raised. That's where people with limited resources literally pooled everything that they had together and created a school, sought out a teacher. And homeschooling in this day and age is not much different, except Mm. we're not necessarily creating a physical structure, but we are pooling our resources together. We are creating that community. We are taking charge of learning all together. And what's really very interesting is that I started teaching homeschoolers before we actually started homeschooling. And there were other people or or seeking out services from, you know, someone who homeschooled and provided services. And those were the people who pulled, you know, dropped on the side of the DMs and said, hey, I really think you can do this. You you should try to, you know, maybe explore that and see what happens. And that's what community does. It sometimes sees that potential in you that you may not see, and it taps into that. Mm. That's where it extends, where it's not just me, I am we. We are all apart. We're all together. And in the, 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 the that feeling of building something together, that's what's happening now, just in a different way. Dr. Sherry Arnold Mehta, uh, yes, someone in Nubia says the voice, uh, I can listen to her all day. Yes, you do have that, uh, very, you know, very, very, very special tone. Uh, which I know why you were effective. Uh, and as you're talking, I'm thinking of Lucy, Lucy Laney, uh, my mom's uh, school that she went to in Augusta and Mary McLeod Bethune and Nanny Helen Burroughs. All, you know, we, we had to naturally, the Laney sisters, naturally find educators in our community uh, who would, you know, do all of the work. And it's amazing. Uh, Yvette in Connecticut has been holding as well. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. We have a couple of minutes. Hi, Yvette. Hi, thank you so much. I am... Wow. Every time I listen, I just have so much that I can say, and I'm very thankful and grateful to the whole segment today. To It's just amazing. You do amazing. Thank we you. are Torians, and I think, oh, my gosh, I can I can be like Karen Hunter one day. But I just <laughs> wanted to talk about, about um, education. Um, I used to teach pre-K, and then I t- taught, you know, high school, uh, GED classes, those kind of things, in non-traditional levels. And what I found was, um, then I worked at a, a community college, what I found was that our kids were not getting what they needed. But when you met with homeschooled students, their scores and uh, subjects were well above kids graduating from high school. And while I value education and I come from a family of educators, I'm, when I'm walking through the woods, sometimes I'm thinking, this is one big science lesson and we don't have to be confined 
um, anymore to classrooms, even before COVID. I think um, sometimes we get wrapped up thinking that, you know, our kids won't be properly socialized or they can't play sports and, you know, but the, the bigger picture is when, when we're having our kids go to places where they're not being honored and they're still teaching about slavery and, and you got to say the N word, or you want to talk about Christopher Columbus and things that don't even really matter to us anymore. Then we have so many people within the community that can teach so many different things and we can just do this. We could, we could just start our own school system. We don't, yes. we don't need to be in the school systems anymore. Well, there's um, already a model for that in other cultures. Other cultures do not send their children into uh, the equivalent of Nazi schools. <laughs> they do not. Uh, so it's time for us to, to be more intentional. I want you to come back more frequently. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.